Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ben Early Morning Show. I'm Austin Bechtel with you. I can't say that I know... Too much about the ultimate process of how the Women's World Cup plays out and ties and why ties are so honestly acceptable in this sport where if any happen in the NFL, it is frowned upon and everybody absolutely can't stand it and want to see anything else other than a tie, especially on the record and tiebreakers and playoff seating and what might come from it. But the United States women's national team is moving on. To the round of 16, as well as the Netherlands. The Netherlands with seven points. The USA with five points. U.S. Women's National Team has dominated this tournament in previous years. And if you stayed up for it, if you got up for it, you could say you're rewarded. I guess you didn't see a goal. You didn't see much action. It's always good to see something happen. And that's kind of my gripe with soccer. A 0-0 zero zero game, you can still move on. And just the fact that there's no true end result to it other than a draw and nothing really happening and is a key component as to why some people think soccer is boring, but that's not here nor there as it is the MLB trading deadline today. 6 p.m. when the final bell will ring on August 1st. It previously has been July 31st, August 1st, August 2nd. My favorite is when there used to be the August 31st waiver deadline. That was when a deal happened when Justin Verlander went from the Detroit Tigers to the Houston Astros, helped the Astros eventually win a World Series. And now Verlander is back on the market again with the New York Mets and potentially could be going back to Houston because of his relationship with ownership and everybody involved in Houston as the Astros are knocking on the door of being the being in first place in the American League West. Kind of hard to believe that the Astros were in the National League Central at one point with the Pirates, but that's not here nor there because what will the Pirates do? There's really not much that I think they're going to do. Rich Hill is going to be traded. I think that's just pretty cut and dry, black and white right now that that is going to happen. Hill will be on the move. Austin Hedges, if you can get anything for him, will be on the move. It might be international bonus money. It might be a lottery-type pick in terms of an A-ball prospect that's 18 years old. Something like you got for Carlos Santana. But if you consider Carlos Santana's value and Rich Hill's value and Austin Hedges' value, Austin Hedges is clearly last. And if that's what you get for Carlos Santana, the hell could you possibly get for Austin Hedges. G-Man Choi has played around 20-some games, six home runs, has driven in some runs. 
Batting average isn't very high, but has looked like one of the best offensive contributors for the Pirates in the last two weeks. Could you potentially get something for him? We know the first base market is not too great after what you got for Santana. An 18-year-old shortstop, Johnny Severino, 21st in terms of international players in the international signing period that were ranked by MLB Pipeline prior to last year's international signing period in 2022. So the Pirates believe that they could potentially have another lottery ticket like they got in O'Neill Cruz when they traded Tony Watson to the L.A. Dodgers and acquired Cruz in what seems like years ago, 2017, I believe, for the Pirates to be able to make somewhat of a deal like that. Connor Joe could be a possibility. Are you going to get anything for Connor Joe? Pirates didn't really give anything up to get him, and he hasn't hit anything since the end of April, the beginning of May. It's been a struggle for Connor Joe. He's had his moments. He's still a good player. He's a good bench bat. Didn't look too good at first base on Sunday. But the two top names are Mitch Keller and David Bednar. And Bednar has been rumored potentially the Arizona Diamondbacks, but the Diamondbacks traded for Paul Seawald from Seattle. So, you really wonder if anybody will pony up to what the Pirates are offering for those two players. Bednar signed for the next few years. Keller signed for the next few years. Both guys are under lock and key for the Pirates organization. The Pirates control their rights, 24, 25, and Keller's a free agent, Bednar through 26. But according to a report in DodgerBlue.com, The Dodgers' trade focus may be on Mitch Keller rather than Justin Verlander. According to Matthew Moreno in an article that came out just, frankly, hours ago, the Dodgers addressed their starting pitcher rotation last week. They acquired Lance Lynn as well as Joe Kelly in the bullpen from the Chicago White Sox as the White Sox continue their fire sale and trading everybody. But the Dodgers are still interested in top starting pitchers, including Justin Verlander of the Mets and Mitch Keller. Now, Keller and Verlander are both under contract. Beyond this year, Verlander has another year left on his contract, and that's what the Dodgers want to try to acquire, if anything. So, David Vastage is a host on AM570 in LA. During Dodger talk, he said that there are some who believe that the Dodgers aren't fully invested in their pursuit of Justin Verlander, that the Dodgers and Astros are in conversations for Verlander. It's no secret that the Dodgers had interest in Verlander this past winter and that they did not want to go as far as the Mets did to basically guarantee him three years, so Verlander two more years. But he doesn't believe that it's changed for the Dodgers and it would have to be a similar situation to what the Mets and the Rangers worked out when the Mets basically are paying Max Scherzer to pitch for the Texas Rangers. But one thing that really stood out in this is that the possibility of the Dodgers being more inclined to complete a trade with Mitch Keller and the Pirates because Mitch Keller rejected a contract extension offer. Quote, there's been quite a bit of buzz in the last 24 hours as far as the information that I've gathered that the Dodgers and Pirates are still in conversations for all-star right-hander Mitch Keller. And this is where it gets juicy. And I'm not sure if this is public information or not, but I was told today by somebody in Pittsburgh that the Pirates lowballed an extension to Mitch Keller and he turned it down. 
This is from David Vassage during Dodger Talk on AM570 in LA, LA Sports Talk Radio, regarding the possibility of a trade between the Pirates and the Dodgers for Mitch Keller. Quote, so the Pirates are basically saying, okay, he's not going to take the Aussie Albies and Ronald Acuna Jr. discount to stay with us, and now they're looking to move him. How much do we really believe this? How much did anybody take this with a grain of salt or really think that this is something that the Pirates are actually willing to consider or that this is actually not a falsity and this is real-life truth and that Mitch Keller did turn down a low-ball offer, which, let's be real here, when the Pirates signed Key Brian Hayes, when the Pirates signed Brian Reynolds, the original offer to Brian Reynolds was for around $70 million. Brian Reynolds wanted around $130 million. They came together at 107 Mitch Keller's 27 He's not a free agent until after 2025. He has had his best season to date, where he's really started to fall off a little bit, but was pretty strong on Friday for the Pirates and what ended up being a 2-1 to loss. A couple of reasons why that ended up being the case, including Andrew McCutcheon not being sent home when the ball when he was rounding third and the ball where Nick Castellanos had it and is not a great right fielder, was basically at the wall, and McCutcheon could have walked to him and probably scored. Keller's 9-7 this year, 397 ERA, as one of the two Pirates representatives in the All-Star game, 382 FIP, 121 whip, 22 starts. I just don't know where this is even coming from. Part of negotiating in baseball, part of negotiating in all of sports, especially for a team, is that you are going to do your hardest, your damnedest to try to get everybody that you can't sign for the lowest possible price. Now, as well for Mitch Keller, when extension talks were brought up originally, there was a lot of focus on Mitch Keller looks fantastic. This is the best season that he's had by a long shot, and it still is. But Keller was throwing a complete game shutout at that point, at home, at PNC Park. And the Pirates were in the midst of one of their most successful stretches in years, since 2018, the last time that this team was over 500, and that was only by a couple of games. So what you're practically saying here is that as... Mitch Keller continued to go on with his season. Extension talks were going well. There were discussions, and Keller seemed optimistic. The Pirates, by all reports, Jason Mackey, our Pirates insider, has said that things are optimistic that a deal could potentially get done. And that doesn't have to be at this point. It can be in the offseason. It can be whenever. It does not have to be in the middle of the season. Those deals are obviously a lot more difficult to be able to get done mid-season than a lot of other deals. But for the Pirates to, for this report to come out, quote, I was told today by somebody in Pittsburgh, this being yesterday, that the Pirates lowballed an extension to Mitch Keller and he turned it down. So the Pirates are basically saying, okay, he's not going to take the Ozzy Albies and Ron Acuna discount to stay with us. And practically the deals that Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna signed were ridiculous. Whoever's agent they had, they should be fired. I mean, Ronald Acuna, who's going to win the National League MVP award, is getting paid pennies on the dollar. Ozzy Albee's deal is in a similar light, but the way that Acuna has continued to play, 
he has way outperformed that contract, and it's not something like hard to compare sports here, but how Patrick Mahomes has way outperformed his contract and potentially the Chiefs deciding to, okay, throw more money at him as he's the seventh highest played quarterback in the NFL. That's just not the case in Major League Baseball where that happens in these long-term contracts. Now they're looking to move him. Do you buy this? I frankly do not. And a big reason why is the verbiage and everything that we've heard based on the camps from Ben Charrington, not so much Derek Shelton. He still seems kind of content focusing in on the moment with this team still way under 500 and trying to scalvage as much as they can. It just doesn't seem right that if the Pirates believe that they can contend in 2024, I don't know if believe is the best word to use. That seems like a very strong word. If the Pirates think that they can compete in 2024. And also, what does competing mean? Is competing going for a wild card spot? Is competing thinking that you can win the NL Central, which is not that great of a division? The Cincinnati Reds are really starting to come on, but come on. Do we really believe that the Cincinnati Reds, who were in the same boat as the Pirates last year, who were, I think, tied with the Pirates at the very end of the year, and the Pirates ended up with the tiebreaker to help get the number one pick and to be able to get into those top three spots to win the MLB draft lottery, that the Cincinnati Reds, who are going to be looked at and potentially scrutinized if they don't do anything today at the MLB trade deadline, have a chance to truly win this division. Now, they are in first place. The division is not very good. It's basically a two-man's race with Milwaukee. The Cubs are at 500 and potentially could make a run at it. Marcus Stroman needs to absolutely step it up after he was very solid at the beginning of the year. Now isn't looking too great. Cody Bellinger has molded back into form. He's not hitting 180 anymore and striking out a million times like he was with the Dodgers. He's actually looking like the MVP type of player that he was for the Dodgers and is doing just incredible for the Cubs. Whose race is this really to win? Whose race is it for next year? The Cardinals have traded off a lot of their pitching. The Cardinals have no pitching. Jordan Montgomery's gone. Jordan Hicks is gone. Jack Flaherty is probably going to be gone. Adam Wainwright is retiring. If you're the St. Louis Cardinals, they traded Johan Oviedo last year to the Pirates in the Jose Quintana deal. Who do you have? Is Nolan Arenado on the table? Could he potentially be traded? The Dodgers were one team rumored to want to acquire Arenado at third base. The future of the Cardinals is not as bright as the future of the Pirates. And that's hard to say because the Cardinals can go out there and just pay everybody. But the Cardinals have so many holes. The Cubs seem okay. Are they going to pay Bellinger? Are they going to pay Stroman? Maybe one of the two. They still have other holes there. I like Christopher Morrell. I like some of the guys that they have. Steele in the rotation. Some of the guys that have been holding down the fort there. But the Cincinnati Reds in all likelihood, have the best future out of any of these teams. And I'm willing to put my money on the Pirates and Reds to be the top two teams in the division. Maybe not so much next year, but definitely in the years to come. Maybe late next year. But I still think the Brewers have a good way of floating around. And if Devin Williams is in the back end of their bullpen and Christian Yelich is having a resurgent season after battling some injuries and inconsistencies that if he can be what they know he can be and what they're paying him to be, that the Brewers will be there 
as well as part of the top of the division. But if you're the Pirates and you think that you can actually do this in 2024, and whether that means just being over 500, there is no possible reason you trade Mitch Keller unless you get a King's Ransom back. And with an ERA of four now, and a lot of inconsistent play since the All-Star game, and even going into the All-Star game, where he had a really great start against Arizona, one hit allowed over, I think it was seven innings, he was solid against the Phillies, but he's had a couple clunkers in there where he's given up four or five, and he hasn't been too great. So, it's a big question to ask, including, will David Bednar be traded? Jason Mackey, on the Fan Morning Show, said yesterday, Quote, what they would need to get in a trade return is not going to come across. So David Bednar is not going to be traded. And he probably won't. The Arizona Diamondbacks were interested in Bednar, as well as the Atlanta Braves, rumored to be interested. Hey, throw the Dodgers in there. They're always interested in everybody that you can throw out there. But it seems like the Pirates are going to hold pack on Keller, on Bednar, on Colin Holderman, and that Rich Hill will go. Whatever you can get for Rich Hill, it might be, what can you get for a 43-year-old starting pitcher? It's going to have to be another 18-year-old A-ball prospect. Austin Hedges, international bonus money. If not, you're going to DFA Austin Hedges and somebody will pick him up off waivers. And there's no waiver trade deadline anymore, so it's not like you could potentially get anything out of that. So it's tough if you're the Pirates. But honestly, it's really not. If you truly think that you have a shot and you want to really have Quinn Priester emerge as a top three starter in your rotation, he's two and one despite having an ERA in the eights. If you truly believe that Mitch Keller can be that anchor, not Brian Reynolds' anchor down, well, maybe Brian Reynolds should be able to weigh up to his $107 million contract. Then you don't trade those guys. Now, if the Pirates are out of it at this time next year, then you got to truly consider it. And you got to truly consider, because if this is the point next year where they're 10, 12, under 500, you got a lot of thinking to do because things are going absolutely disastrous if that is the case at this time next year. And there's the possibility that firings all the way up to the top are very possible. But that's this year. This is now. The MLB trade deadline is today. 6 p.m., who will stay, who will go. Don't expect Bednar, Keller, Holderman to go anywhere, as well as any of the other Pirates prospects, Pirates top players, as they try to build around with the top prospects and fill in with complimentary pieces, but also have the stabling veterans to try to do something to turn this thing around, man. This needed to be the Baltimore Orioles season of last year, where they were below 500 for a big chunk of the year, surged, Finished over 500 to close 2022. And now the Baltimore Orioles are one of the top picks to come out of the American League. Potentially go to the World Series. And hey, they're probably the best team in the American League. is, Which is hard to say, but they've earned it. The Wake Up Show is presented by 84 Lumber. Put your positive attitude to work at 84 Lumber. Apply at 84lumber.com. Coming up next, Steelers training camp is in full force. As well as one school that decided to cut everything a month before going back. Tell you who that is and why. I'm Austin Bechtold, Fan Morning Show.
It's time to put the pads on and get back to work at St. Vincent as the Steelers. It gets real. The pads are going on. The hits will be prevalent. Well, maybe not so much. It's still early training camp practice. But the pads will be on, and the Steelers got the opportunity now to really see what a lot of these guys can do. It's not football in shorts anymore. How well does Broderick Jones fare? How much do some of the undrafted guys that are looking to try to make a roster stand out? One of the guys that has always stood out is Cam Hayward. Cameron Hayward yesterday ranked as the 45th best player on the NFL Top 100 list. Now, at first I thought a little bit of a slight to Cam Hayward, but when I truly think about it, Cam Hayward has been completely underrated for his entire career. I'm guilty of thinking that for a while now as Cam Hayward thought, okay, he's a solid player, maybe not the best. Years ago, around the 2014, 15, 16 seasons. But Hayward has been an absolute mainstay on this defense, and he continues to get better with age. So 2011, 2012, he had two and a half combined sacks. Okay. 2013, he had five sacks. 2014, he had seven and a half sacks. 2015, he had seven sacks, 54 tackles. 2016, three sacks. 2017 was a part of the breakout. 45 tackles, 12 sacks for Cameron Hayward. That's not it. 2018-8, 2019-9. He had 83 tackles in 2019. He just continues to get better. In 2020, four sacks, 54 tackles combined. He had an interception. He had an interception two years ago with a career-high 89 tackles and 10 sacks. Last season, 74 tackles, 10.5 sacks. Cameron Hayward means so much to this team. He is the vocal and emotional leader on the defense alongside T.J. Watt. He was named to the AFC roster for the Pro Bowl last year. He had 14 tackles for loss. 22 quarterback hurries. He forced a fumble on a fumble recovery. Cameron Hayward is just the epitome of Steelers football. Cam Hayward is what it means to be a Steeler. And it's what makes me respect him so much and what still makes me think that he could rank higher on these lists. And, you know, he doesn't play a flashy position at defensive tackle where he's overshadowed by other guys at the position like Aaron Donald, an absolute freak of nature, who, yes, is better than Cam Hayward, not saying otherwise. But Hayward is in his 13th year now. He's the longest tenured player on defense And he has no signs of slowing down. I don't think I've seen anybody that continues to go into their 30s and get better and better and better every year. It just, frankly, doesn't make sense. He's defying all logic. As Crowley looks like, that's what we're going to be talking about coming up next later up on the show. Be ready for that. As Cam Hayward, as well as Minka Fitzpatrick, and TJ Watt are the core three. The Yankees had the core four. Well, the Steelers had the core three on defense. Maybe come up with another flashy nickname that you can try to come up with for those three guys. T.J. Watt, one of the highest played players in all of football. Definitely defensive players. And outside linebackers. And also has the lead league, the lead for sacks in a season tied with Michael Strahan. How about Minka? 42 interceptions and four incompletions among safety since 2019. Yeah, that's first. 
according to Pro Football Focus. Those are the guys you're going to bank on. And as the pads are put on, those are the guys that you're going to look to as the dependable forces and the biggest leaders some of these young guys, like a Joey Porter Jr., like a Keanu Benton, make out to take Joey Porter Jr. under his wing, as well as Patrick Peterson, which looks like has gone great so far, and Keanu Benton to learn some things and work with Cam Hayward. And in the same light, for TJ Watt, for some of these guys on the outside, like Herbig, we see what he's done with Alex Highsmith, to help him mold into somebody who was getting $17 million a year. So there's a lot of things to look forward to in this Steelers season. It obviously all comes down to Kenny Pickett. How does Pickett play? I mean, how will he guide the offense? The training wheel is taken off. How do you guide an offense when the defense can continuously back you up? Which I think that they can this year. The Steelers have invested everything that they can defensively, especially just significant financial contributions to the defensive end. So I'm looking forward to that. Also, breaking late last night, Termar Johnson, the Pirates' number one pick in 2022, is getting promoted to high Greensboro. He posted something as well on social media, which was in Greensboro, North Carolina. So being promoted from A-Ball and Bradenton to high Greensboro, the Pirates have been pretty aggressive promoting their top prospects. And I'm very excited to see what could happen with them as well. And the Steelers, and oh man, I'll be at training camp on Wednesday after PAC Media Days at St. Vincent College, and also we're going to try to go on Friday. Very excited to see what this season brings, and it all starts with Kenny Pickett, but the defense is going to be a big factor, and it's those core three of Minka, Kim Hayward, who checked in at 45 on the top 100 players list, and TJ Watt. Coming up next, the college is closed. With one month notice, well, not even that, before school is supposed to start. How does that affect the state of athletics? And how does that just affect life in general for athletes that now have to find a new home, especially in football, with camps just starting some this week? Austin Bechtold, Fan Early Morning Show, 937 The Fan. Oh, we're going to have a good day. At least I hope so, as it's Pirates trade deadline day in all Major League Baseball. It would not be a good day if Mitch Keller and David Bednar were traded, at least if it was for the wrong package. But it would also signal that the Pirates are waving the white flag and deciding that, nope, we're not as close as we actually think we are. we got to go get more prospects because Keller and Bednar won't be on the next winning team. Well, one other place that is raised, that has waved the white flag and this really sucks, is Alderson Broadus University. Reports out of West Virginia, the West Virginia Higher Education Policy Commission met on Monday in an emergency meeting to discuss financial issues at Alderson Broadus University, and during the meeting, the HEPC voted unanimously to revoke Alderson Broadus's authorization to be able to grant degrees in the state Effective December 31st, 2023. And it said that the university is not permitted to enroll any new students beginning with the fall 2023 semester. It is August 1st. However, 
Officials say seniors scheduled to graduate at the end of the fall term may return to complete their degrees on schedule. Well, congratulations to you. So are you going to return if you are graduating in the fall? You're going to go back to Alderson Broadus for like three months with no one there. It's you and maybe 50 other people, if that. And basically, the athletic program's done, gone, gone away. Alderson Broadus, under this new vote and authorization, must take some steps to wind down its operations. Not accept and admit or enroll any new students beginning with the fall semester. Not returning any current students to campus for the fall semester, except for seniors scheduled to graduate at the end of the semester who wish to return to complete their degrees. As someone who just recently graduated from college, this is absolutely insane, the process. And for athletes who are getting ready for their sports season coming up, that are getting ready for camp right away because it's August 1st and literally school starts in three weeks. And a lot of people move in, or were supposed to, in about two weeks. I have a friend who is a part of the athletic department at Alderson Broadus who is an athlete and is now scrambling to try to figure out what comes next. They were given no notice. There was no real heads up. This is all something that came absolutely out of the blue and is fantastic for these athletes to just, yep, yep, sure. We'll go find somewhere to play in the next three weeks. That's just fantastic, right? You can only stay if you're graduating in September. They are closed. People are freaking out, trying to transfer. How do credits work? What are you supposed to do with this? I mean, I feel really bad for the students, for the athletes at Alderson Broadus that literally, how complacent, how just ridiculous do you have to be as a school to not know your financial situations where you can't just be straightforward? You can't be honest with people. Who is running this? How ridiculous is it? Whoever's running the school, athletics, whatever it might be, that this is the situation that they've come to. That they're closing the school a month before the school year. That you can only go back if you graduate in December. It's ridiculous. It is just insane to think about. And for a bunch of athletes, it could mean the end of their career unless they can transfer. It's tough. The pre-show is coming up next. I'm Austin Vexel with you. Fan Early Morning Show. Coming to a close. 937 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 
It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.